In the books of the Bible These words you will read A man turned from God Through envy and greed He turned from his maker To follow his own If God
listen to one and to all We'll go the last call Then the door of God's mercy will close Opportunity then will come never From his fierce, angry waves In the ark you'll be saved Oh, come in to the ark today From his fierce, angry waves In God's ark I want us to open our Bibles this evening in the book of Matthew's Gospel, the chapter number 25. I'd like to thank our brother, Dr. Greenfield, for leading the meeting. And we know that the Lord has blessed us through that already. And we look to the Lord tonight for his blessing uh, in this gathering. That is Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. We want to turn and we'll read from verse number one of this passage of God's Word. And just follow the reading down to verse number 13. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And when the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, and our lamp, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know ye not. Watch therefore, for ye know not neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Let's bow our heads before the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord to bless us as we turn to the Word of God this evening. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy goodness night after night in this meeting. We thank Thee, our God, for the gospel campaign. We thank Thee for the preaching of the gospel. And we pray tonight that thou will prosper the ministry of thy word uh, to the glory and the honor of the name of Jesus. We pray that more than anything else tonight, that if there's anyone tonight and they're not saved, that they might come to know the Lord Jesus and find eternal life in Christ, because it is found in Christ alone. And to this end, O God, I pray that thou will cleanse me in the precious blood, make me a vessel that's clean and fit for thy use, Fill me with thy Holy Spirit and help me, our God, in everything, that everything that is said and done tonight will go down 
with that single eye to the glory and the honor of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, God, truly bless us tonight and just write thy word upon our hearts. For we ask these things in Jesus' precious name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, in the 25th chapter of the book of Matthew's Gospel, it's a familiar story, I'm sure, to many people. It's the story of the ten virgins. The Bible tells us that there were five were wise and that there were five were foolish. And tonight, you know, there was no one ever told a story like the Lord Jesus. I was saying on Friday night, whenever we're looking at the story of the prodigal son, that Charles Dickens said that it was the greatest story that has ever been written. And you know, there was no one ever told a story like the Lord Jesus Christ. He could take the very human things, the very ordinary things that people could understand, and he could use them powerfully as an illustration of the glorious message that he wanted to bring to the people. Now, the context of the 25th chapter of the book of Matthew's gospel is found in the 24th chapter. Because you see, the disciples asked the Lord Jesus Christ a question in chapter 24, verse number 3. It says, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And the Lord Jesus Christ is answering the question that was asked him. Now the Lord Jesus made it clear that his coming would not be immediately at that time that they were asking him because the Lord Jesus Christ would go to the cross of Calvary. He would shed his precious blood. He would rise gloriously from the grave. And then he would go to prepare a place. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And then he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And of course, this is what they were asking. Well, tell us, Lord, when are you coming and what are the signs of your coming? And so the Lord Jesus is explaining to them that his coming was not immediately at that time that they were asking. But you'll find that the Lord Jesus, in his response, issues warnings concerning about those that would rise up and would seek to deceive men and women. There would some would say, here is Christ, or there is Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ said that they shall deceive many. And you know, friends, one of the marks of this day is the marks of deception. Men and women are being deceived. Men and women are deceiving themselves. The Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And friend, when you sow to sin, you can be sure you will reap the harvest of your sin. And the Bible says the wages of your sin is death. You just can't sin and live a life of sin and get away with it. God will not overlook your sin. On the cross of Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ, it says he became sin for us. He bare our sins in his own body in the tree. And the Father could not overlook our sins that were born in Christ upon the cross. Because the Bible says, Christ cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, there on the cross of Calvary, the Father turned away his face from his Son, and the darkness surrounded the cross. And there the Lord Jesus Christ bore the penalty for your sin and for my sin, the sins of his people. And friend, tonight, I want to tell you, if you're here tonight and you think that somehow that you can sin and sin and sin and get away with it, then you are only deceiving yourself. Because the Word of God says, whatsoever, uh, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so the Lord Jesus said there would be deceivers would come in the last days. He also said there would be mockers that would come in the last days. In actual fact, Peter wrote about that in 2 Peter chapter 3, when it said they would come, those scoffers would come and say, where is the promise of his coming? And men and women say, well, listen, I've heard it so many times. I remember as a boy, I used to go to the gospel meetings as a child, and thank God after I got saved, I loved going to the meetings. And you know, many of the preachers would talk about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't often hear it much talked about today. 
You don't often hear it about preached much today, about the coming, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you, my friend, whilst men and women say, but sure, I've heard it. Maybe you're someone here tonight and you're older, and you say, I remember hearing that about the second coming of Christ. I heard it whenever I was a child. I remember sitting in meetings just like I'm sitting in tonight, and I heard about Jesus Christ and his second coming. Sure, he hasn't come. And that's what the Word of God says. The scoffers shall say in the last day, where is the promise of his coming? Let me tell you, he'll keep his promise. Thank God this same Jesus. you remember when the Lord Jesus Christ went up into heaven? And do you remember the angel said to the, the disciples as they stood there on the top of the Mount of Olives and says, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go. And thank God Jesus Christ is coming again. And friend, that's the great event that's still to come. It's the Lord Jesus Christ is coming. But you can be dead certain Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came into this world, who died upon the cross of Calvary, then went back to heaven to prepare a place for his people. Thank God he's coming again. And blessed are those that go to be with him forever and forever. So the Lord Jesus is telling people here, he's telling his disciples, yes, in the last days, he said, yes, there will be deceivers that will come, there will be even mockers that will arise in those last days. But remember this. He will come. He will come. And the real thing that matters in the light of all of that, you know, there are people saying, you know, I love, I love to hear about people. I love to hear prophetic teachers telling me how it is all going to happen concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know there are different interpretations and there are different preachers preach different things about the second coming. And there are those who say, no, it's not that way. It's this way. No, 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 no. It's not that way. It's this way. And friend, let me tell you, I'll tell you exactly it's going to happen as he said it would. And you know the reason why he tells it? It says, listen, wherefore comfort one another with these words. And the, the, the teaching of the second coming of Jesus Christ is not for God's people to argue or fight about. It's to comfort each other with. You and I ought to comfort one another because, praise God, listen, this world's not our final home. Hallelujah. But thank God there's a great place and a great day to come when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, will come. And thank God those that are left in this old world, they're going, the, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's what it's all about. We're going to be with him. Now, the Lord Jesus is saying to listen, in the light of this fact that I am coming again, you see, the disciples said, tell us about the signs. Lord, would you tell us, when, when are you going to come? Now, the Bible tells us clearly that of that day and that hour, look at verse number 36 of chapter 24, just for a wee moment before we go on. It says, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man. Know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And if you hear a preacher standing up in the pulpit and he tells you when Jesus Christ is going to come and he puts it in, you can tell him, listen, you know nothing about it. Because the Bible says here, of that day and that hour knoweth no man, not, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. You leave the day when it is, you leave it with him. Thank God, leave it all with him. But here's what you need to remember. Look at verse 44. It says, therefore, therefore in the light of his coming, in the light that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again, it says, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. You see, friend, you don't know the day, you don't know the hour, but it's in an hour when you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Therefore be ready. Be ready. And that's what the, the whole importance is. It's not necessarily the sign of his coming. It's not, my friend, when, when the end of the world shall be. Because we do not know exactly that day or that hour. But we know we're drawing close. I believe we're in the last of the last days. And the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And so in the light of that, in the light of the teaching, and the light of the thought, be ye also ready 
That's where we come to chapter 25. That's where you get the story about the ten virgins. And it's in the light of that, it's in the context of that, the Lord Jesus Christ says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Now, I want you to notice what it says in verse 2. Five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. Because the foolish, first of all, he starts with them, verse 3, they took their lamps but they took no oil with them. And so they had lamps, but there was no oil with these lamps. And then, of course, the wise, verse number four was this, that they took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And so therefore, there's oil with the lamps for the wise, and there's no oil with the lamps of the foolish. Now, what does the oil speak to us? It speaks to us of the Holy Ghost. And friend, let me tell you, that speaks to us concerning salvation. Because except a man be born of the Spirit of God, he is not saved. The Word of God says, if any man have not, uh, uh, if any man uh, have not Christ, or the Spirit, the, the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. He's none of his. And you can have professions, but if you're not born of the Spirit of God, then you're not saved. And you know, here we have five people. Listen, they have got lamps. In other words, they have the outward show. They have the outward show, but they had no oil. And friend, you could be uh, what, what is known today as a nominal Christian. In other words, you believe in Christianity as far as the teachings of the Word of God is concerned. You come to church, you say your prayers, you read your Bible, you do all the things that you're expected by religious society to do. But as far as being born of the Spirit of God, it has never happened in your life. You've got the outward show, but you're not saved. You're not saved. And because of that, the Word of God says, the five that had got the lamps with no oil, God called them, the Savior called them the foolish. Because all they had was an outward show. But they weren't ready. They weren't ready whenever the cry went up, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. But all they had was lamps, no oil. No oil. And is it possible sitting in this church tonight, here under the preaching of the Word of God, that there's someone here, and perhaps you've got an outward show. Maybe people think you're saved. Maybe people think that you're born again of the Spirit of God. I remember holding a mission one time in the county of Tyrone. And I remember at the, uh, the, the end of the meeting making an appeal, and uh, this man Rose's hand to indicate his desire that he wanted to come to Christ. He wanted to be led to Jesus. Whenever he came to speak to me that night, after the meeting, he said to me, you know, he said, Mr. McRae, I'm a Sabbath school superintendent. Now listen, he was a Sabbath school superintendent in an evangelical church. Not in a place that didn't preach the gospel, but in an evangelical church. He says, everybody thinks that I'm saved. But he says, I'm not. And God showed me in this meeting today clearly that all I had was an empty profession. All I had was an outward show, an outward appearance. I remember holding another mission in Macrofelt and Stony Park, as they called it, in a big tent. And I remember one, one, one evening getting a telephone call from a girl from Balamina. She said, Mr. McCray, I need to speak to you before the service. I said, certainly, and I'll, I'll meet you down at the, 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 the little caravan that was outside the tent. And she came, she spoke, she said, you know, I've been raised in the Brethren home. She says, my father is one of the leading lights in the Brethren in Balamina. She says, you know, I, I, I was reared in the gospel hall, and I, I know the gospel from A to Z, and my family believe that I'm saved. In actual fact, she said, I was baptized. I was baptized in the brethren. But she says, Mr. Cray, I'm not saved. I've been coming to your meetings here in, in the tent, she said, uh, during the mission, and God once again has revealed to me that all I have is, it's just, and I've known it in my heart, but I wouldn't admit it until now, that all I had was an empty profession to please my parents. And my father and mother think that I'm all right, and yet before God, there's nothing. 
said, Mr. McRae, would you lead me to Christ? And thank God that night, that girl got gloriously and wonderfully saved. Yes, you could be raised in a good, godly family. And maybe your family think that you're all right. Maybe, friend, listen, yes, you made a profession. Maybe, maybe you signed away years ago. Maybe you signed a little declaration card. And now that's what you're holding on to because of that little decision card you made years ago. But as far as going on with God, as far as having a relationship with God, as far as loving the Lord and loving His Word and loving the fellowship of God's people and the house of God, uh, listen, friend, you know there's nothing there. It's empty. What did the Lord Jesus say? Many shall say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out devils in your name? In thy name did many wonderful works. Then shall I say unto them, I never knew you. Sinner, depart from me, you cursed. My friend, what an awful thing. Men and women deceiving themselves into thinking that somehow that they're all right and yet as far as God is concerned, they're like these five foolish virgins. Yes, the cry goes up, but the tragedy is this of nothing else, only an empty lamp. But there's no light and there's no oil that's burning in their hearts. They're not born of the Spirit of God. They've never been washed in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, there were five wise, and there were five foolish. And notice, they slumbered together. They slept. The tragedy is, many of God's people, those who are saved, in this day in which we live, they say, yes, I believe that the coming of the Lord is drawing nigh. I believe that, that my, the Lord Jesus could come. But they're lying sleeping. Doing nothing for the Lord. They're not urging men and women to get saved. They're not begging their loved ones to get right with God. No. They're just lying sleeping with them. And letting them go out into God's eternity and go to hell and be lost forever. Yes, there were five wise and there were five foolish. Oh, that they were wise. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 29. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. The wise person is this, is ready. Be ye also ready, for on such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. That's what the Lord Jesus said. Be ready for it. It's not head knowledge we're talking about. It's a heart experience. To be ready. To have your sins forgiven. To be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not what others think about me that counts. It's what does God know? Because remember, man looks on the outward appearance. And you know that behind many a smiling face can be a broken heart. And men and women can put on a show that they're all right, and as far as God is concerned, their heart's far from God. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. Do you remember the Lord Jesus Christ was preaching a sermon? It was a sermon in the mountain, as it was drawing to a close. What was the last illustration he used? He talked about the wise man. He talked about the wise man that was building a house. And whenever he thought about building the house, he thought, listen, well, I've got to be sure because the most important thing about this house is it's the foundation. I've got to be sure there's a solid foundation for this house because whatever I build upon that, if there's not a solid foundation, it's not going to stand. The Lord Jesus said he was a wise man because he digged down, yes, and he dug down to the rock and he built the house upon the rock. And it says the rain came and the winds blew and descended upon the house. But the house stood, why? Because it was built upon the rock. It had a solid foundation. But then Jesus said there was another man and he was a man that wanted to build a house too. <laughs> but he said to himself, you know, getting down to this, way down to that rock, you know, that's a waste of time. I don't really need that. All I'm looking is a beautiful house. And so what he did, friend, he just took the easy course. He decided there's good sandy ground. And not be much effort in digging there. 
and not a much sweat and digging there. She says, I'll just dig down a wee bit and I'll build my house upon the sand. And then the Bible says, yes, the winds blew and the rain descended upon that house. But it didn't stand. Do you know why? No foundation. Who's the rock, friend? 1 Corinthians 10 verse 4 gives us the answer. And that rock is Christ. That rock's Christ. And you're going out to God's eternity tonight. And you can build, my friend, upon the sands of time, of man's philosophies, and man's thinking, and man's theology. But I tell you this, if your heart is not built upon Christ, and your salvation is not in Christ, you'll perish. You know, you'll notice that in both the houses, the winds blew. You notice in both the houses, the rain descended. And in both the houses, the floods came. And one house stood. You see, some people have got this idea that somehow if a person comes to Christ, they never have a problem and never have a difficulty. The winds and storms of life will never blow upon them. Or the floods of, 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 of affliction will never touch them. It's not true, friend. The word of God says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. Man that is born of a woman is a few days, the Bible says, and full of trouble. But one stood the test, and the other didn't. Tell me. Whenever it comes to the end of the journey and you're crossing the river, and the eyelids shut down for a last time, friend, and you close your eyes in death, and you step out into God's eternity, tell me, will your anchor hold in the storms of death? When you come to stand before God Almighty and are called out to stand before the judgment of God, I want to ask you this, what have you got to stand for the test of the judgment? Are your garments washed and made white in the blood of a lamb? Or will you stand at the great white throne of judgment of God, your garments stained by your sins, the sins of a lifetime? You see, five of these virgins made preparation. And five didn't. And Jesus called five of them wise and God says the five others were fools tell me which one's you what group are you among tonight be honest with yourself come on you owe it to your own soul friend to be honest with yourself it says they that were ready go to verse number 10 of chapter 25 yes the bridegroom came You'll notice what the foolish one said to the wise. Verse 8, give us of your oil. Now let me tell you, my friend, somebody else's preparation is no good for you. You must have oil in your lamp. You see, my mother's salvation is not transferable to me. He said, I'll give us yours. Transfer some of yours to us. And maybe you say to me, preacher, but listen, my mother's saying, surely I'll get to heaven on my mother's skirts. No, friend, you can't do it. Salvation's not transferable. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's between you and God. My mother got saved, but that didn't save me. My brother got saved, but that didn't save me. My three sisters got saved, but that didn't save me. But thank God, on the 4th of June, 1957, a boy of eight years of age came and called upon the Lord. And God's word says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then verse 10 of chapter 25 says, And while he went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were Rebbe went in with him. Now surely, friend, you don't need a big explanation of that. 
they that were ready. Isn't it simple? Isn't it plain? But five didn't. Why? Because they weren't ready. Now, are you ready tonight? I sang a wee hymn tonight. Are you ready to go? The Word of God says, you know, and I know it. We've heard it so many times. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. Thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. The old man of the Scriptures and in the book of Genesis 27 said this, I'm old, but I don't know the day of my death. Does not one of us know? But we need to be ready. Be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, not only the Son of Man comes, friend, but you could be called away to meet God. And the Bible says, prepare, be ready to meet thy God. Are you? Are you ready? Because it's they that were ready. With him. Maybe there's somebody says to me, hold on, women, preacher, now, just a wee second now. But you're all ready. We're all ready. Are we? Are we? What does the word of God say, friend? Just turn with me just for a moment. Turn to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 26. And in Deuteronomy chapter 26, in verse number 5, it says this, And thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God, A Syrian ready to perish was my father. Ready to perish. And that's exactly where every one of us were got in our sin. We were ready to perish. That's how man stands before God without the Lord Jesus Christ. But you say, but listen, I was always a good person. I've always tried to do the best I can. So now you think that the best you can is good enough for God. Remember a preacher one time that tried to speak to this barber, his friend, he always went into a barber shop to, uh, uh, whenever he needed, some of us don't need very much of it, but nevertheless, he, he had to go to the barber shop and he used to talk to this man about his soul. He said, ah, what did I tell you? I do the best I can. Surely that'll be good enough for God. No matter what the preacher said, that was the same answer all the time. Oh, surely the best I, surely that's good enough for God. What more could God ask for you than the best you can do? One day he was just in the barber shop and it was nearly his, it was his time to be called. He hadn't, the barber hadn't got a telephone in his place, but the man next door, the next shop next door had a, a call. And the next uh, shop owner next door came in to the barber and says, Hey, Jimmy, he says, Jimmy, there's a call for you. And, and, and Jimmy looked at the, the, the pastor and he says, Pastor, would you hold on a wee second? Uh, would you hold me? I'll be with you in a wee second. And he says, if anybody comes in looking for a haircut, would you tell him I'll be back in a minute? Me pastor says, don't you worry. Go you on. Take as long as you like. He says, I'll tell you what to do. If anybody comes in, I'll set them down on the chair and I'll lift your scissors and I'll put the thing around their neck and just shove it in right the back. Boys, they'll be sitting there and I'll get, you see the way you do it? I have watched you for years, he says, and I'll do the same. And then I'll get your comb in my hand, and I'll get your scissors in my other hand, he says, and I'll start combing their hair, and then I'll start clipping. And by that time, the wee barber's nearly having a heart attack. He says, oh, don't do anything of the sort. He says, no, listen, listen. He says, I promise you, I'll do the best I can. Oh, says the barber, don't, he says, you'll ruin me. He says, why would I ruin He says, oh, but listen, your best wouldn't be good enough for my customers. There's a pastor I've been trying to tell you for years, and yet you think you're best good enough for God. And friend, there's men and women that are traveling through life, and that's all they're relying on, doing the best they can, and they're going to hell as fast as their feet can carry them. For God says, the best you can do. All have sinned. All your righteousnesses in other words, the best that you can do, all your righteousness are as filthy rags. That's the word of God says. In God's sight. 
and yet men and women intend to offer to the holy God of heaven the filthy rotten rags of their sin. And they don't see they're a sinner ready to perish. What a tragedy. What a tragedy to travel through life, friend, and try the best you can, and yet it comes to the end of the journey. And you close your eyes in death, and you meet the God of heaven to hear the word, sinner, depart from me, you curse it. I never knew you. You're not mine. Never experienced a new birth. You never depended or trusted or rested upon the blood of my son for the salvation of your soul. You just thought you could rest on your own. And yet all the best you could do, the righteousness are as filthy rags. You're a sinner ready to perish. John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But friend, remember the other side of it. Whosoever believeth not in him shall perish. He that believeth in him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. You know, whenever I was, our brother Greenfield talked tonight about when I was in prison. And there's a story behind that, but I'm not going into that. That doesn't matter. But I met the last person that was condemned to death. He was condemned to die, to be hung by the neck. He spent a night in the death cell. In actual fact, just about two months ago, I visited Crumlin Road. And you can go there, and you can go into the death cell. In actual fact, the place where they spend their last night, they don't realize it's just on the other side of the wall. That's where they hang. And yet they thought that a distance to go in the morning. And yet they were lying next door to it. And they didn't know it. And that's the truth tonight. Men and women are lying down their heads upon the pillow and they're lying and they're on the verge of hell and eternal condemnation, but they don't know it. And then at the last moment, he got the reprieve. I remember he used to, he used to be down with me down in the kitchen of the Crumlin Road prison and he used to have a twitch in the neck and people said, asked why he had that, and we were told. Because that night he spent in the condemned cell, he could feel the tightening of the rope during the night around his neck. And that's why the twitch was in the neck. Let me tell you, friend, the condemnation that the Lord is talking about here, he that believeth not is condemned already, that's an eternal condemnation. Listen to me carefully. And there's no reprieve there. There's no reprieve. He that believeth on the Son is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. And yet multitudes of men and women that don't see that they're lost tonight. They don't realize how dangerous it is tonight. They don't know. And they don't take it into their hearts. They're perishing. Perishing. I always remember that little girl on the 12th of July parade in Makarah. I remember there's a crowd of people in the streets. There was a little ice cream van. And this mother and this little girl walked up to the ice cream van and they got these two lovely cones. And the wee girl, she started to lick the wee cone. 
And Mammy started looking, you, you know, they, they were walking down. Of course, they were so taken up with licking the ice cream, they didn't realize one was going that way and the other was going that way. And the little girl walked away from her mother. She's just a wee child. And then all of a sudden, she thought she would speak to her mother, but she turned around, but Mammy wasn't there. And you could have looked on that wee girl's face as I did that day. The fear that struck that little girl, the realization that mommy wasn't there. I could see this big policeman, he just stooped down and he knelt down beside the wee girl and he says, what's wrong, darling? And the tears were running down her cheeks, friend. And I'll tell you, they weren't mock. They were real. Leo says, what's wrong, darling? She says, Mr. I'm lost. And yet God's word says that every man and woman that's without Jesus tonight, they're lost in their sin. And yet there's not a tear. Do you know why? They don't realize it. How lost they are. A sinner ready to perish. You say, preacher, is there no hope? Is there no hope for such a sinner? Well, turn very quickly. Isaiah chapter 38. And Isaiah chapter 38. A king was writing these words. Hezekiah, and this is what he said. Isaiah 38 verse 20. It says, the Lord was ready to save me. The Lord was ready to save me. We sing the lovely old hymn, don't we? We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. That was, I never had the privilege of meeting any of my grandparents. They were all gone before I was born. My mother's side and my father's side. They were all gone. Never sat on a grandest knee. Never held in a granny's arms. God has given Anne and I Eleven grandchildren, one granddaughter and ten grandsons. That's a privilege, isn't it? But my mother used to tell me about my granny the night she died. There's a little family were sitting in the county Tyrone in a little house down in Arbo. Eight little children. My mother was dying, leaving behind. And as he sat there, waiting on the death angel to come, they heard singing from a mother's room. They went down into the little hallway and looked into the room, and there was a mother. She had pulled herself up on her bed, and she was singing these words. We have heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves. Jesus saves, spread the glad news all around. Climb the hills. Cross the waves onward to our Lord's command, Jesus says. And I've often thought about it. Granny, I never met you. But I've climbed the hills of Peru. I've crossed the muddy waters of the Amazon. And you know what I've told the people? I told them Jesus saves. You see, it says the Lord was ready to save me. My friend, that's a wonderful realization. When a man or woman realizes that they're lost, realizes that they're not ready, realizes that they're a sinner ready to perish, and then the Spirit of God brings us truth to their hearts that there's not only a Savior, but praise God, the Lord is ready to save me. He's ready to save me. He's more willing, more ready to save than you are to call upon him. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 17 says, A God ready to pardon. Ready to pardon. And maybe there's someone here tonight, and maybe the old devil has said to you, there's no you hope you call on the Lord, friend. There's no need for you, because God won't have you. God won't have you. I want to tell you, the devil's a liar. That's what Jesus called him. In John chapter 8. 
verse 44. He says he's a murderer. He's a liar. Do you know why? Because he's a God ready. Ready to pardon. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I held a gospel mission. I'm sure you held the 1859 revival, Kells and Connor. I held a gospel mission in Kells Orange Hall. It was the last Sunday afternoon. The place was packed. And thank God, precious souls came to Jesus Christ that day. And after I led the last one to Jesus Christ, and I was just nearly walking away, I noticed there was this old man, and he was sitting there. He hadn't moved. And I was walking past him, and he said, Mr. McRae, can I speak to you? I said, yes, certainly, sir. And I sat down. He says, you know, Mr. McRae, I'm 92 years of age. 92. He says, many years ago when I was a young man, old Pastor Paisley was preaching. And he says, as he preached, I realized I was a sinner and I wanted God's salvation. I raised my hand that day to indicate my desire to come to Christ, but I must be honest, I I was so afraid and so ashamed, I I just didn't put it up very far, but, but I did raise it. But he said, Mr. McRae, Pastor Paisley didn't see it. I left that day thinking God didn't want me. He says, I'm 92 now. He hadn't long to go. And he says, I've lived my life believing that. That God wouldn't have me. Until today. And I realize afresh, as I did when I was a young lad sitting Pastor Paisley's meeting. That is a God ready to pardon. He says, Well, he saved me. And I opened the word of God, friend. And I led him to Jesus Christ. Do you know what he found out? He found out he was a God ready to pardon. Don't I wonder tonight, are you willing to find that out? Are you? Or are you the sinner ready to perish? Time's away. Paul said this in 2 Timothy 4. He said, I'm now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. He was saying, Lord, I'm ready to go. We had a wee woman in our church. She was 94, Riyami. She used to go up the town before she'd go up the town, she would ask the Lord to help her to go up to get her wee bits and pieces as she used to talk about. And she said to me, when I'd visit her, she said, and then, you know, I'd, I'd ask the Lord before I go up, I would ask the Lord to take me up safely. And then, whenever I'd come down, I would just get down on my knees there at that wee, at that wee settee there, and I would just say, Lord, thank you for bringing me up and down again, safe. But she said to me, you know, I'm tired. My wee body's tired. She said, you know, before I go to bed, when there's no meetings, and every meeting, any night the meeting's on, she was at every one. There's no meeting on, 
she'd go to bed early. She said, I would walk over to the window, Mr. McRae, and she would show me it. She said, walk over here to the window. And before I would pull down the blind and pull the curtains, I just would take one last look up and say, maybe tonight, Lord. Maybe tonight. I'm ready to go. And ask you a question. You not need a dictionary to understand. Are you ready? Are you ready to go? If this is your last night on earth, and it can be, no matter what age you are, young or old, there's just a step between any one of us and death. Many a man sat in a gospel meeting, friend, and he didn't know that he was sitting in the gospel meeting. The car was already in the road that would take him out into eternity. Didn't know it. The only thing is to be ready. It'll not take you a second quicker. But praise God, you have nothing to worry. The old account settled. Ah, come to Christ tonight. Be ye also ready. Who said that? Jesus. If you're not listening to the preacher, friend, listen to the Savior. Be ready. For they that were ready went in with him. And here's the last words of verse 10. And the door was shut. Opportunity was over. Oh, they knocked on the doors. Open unto us, open unto us. But the answer came, I No, you're not. What a tragedy. Almost there. But outside the door of heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy word tonight. We pray that thou will bless to the hearts of those that are gathered here. Thou knowest those that are saved and those that are not, those that are ready and those that are not. Thou didst determine as the wise man and the foolish man, the wise virgin and the foolish virgin. O God, may not one die as a fool without Christ. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, friend, What's your answer to him? Behold, I stand at the door and knock, says Jesus. If any man hear my voice and open that door, he says, I will come into him. What's up with him and he with me? Will you receive Christ tonight? Is there someone away from the Lord? And you're living wasted years, friend, because you're wasting a life of godliness and testimony for God that perhaps once you had, but you're away from him. Wasting the opportunities that God's given you. Or you've never received him. To die as a fool. Say, preacher, lead me to Jesus tonight. As every head is bowed and eyes closed, and God's people are praying, if there's anyone here tonight, and the desire of your heart is to come to Christ, preacher, like that old man, lead me to Jesus. If that's your desire, young person or older person, 
Every head bowed and every eye closed, God's people pray. I make a simple appeal. If you're here and you desire God's salvation or a backslider and you desire to be pointed back to him, in the quietness and stillness of this meeting, would you just lift that hand right now? Indicate that desire. It doesn't save you or restore you, but it lets me know that you mean business with God. And after the meeting's over, as others are going to have their tea, Brother Greenfield or myself, we can go to a little inquiry room that's away from others and open the Word of God and show you how you can be dead on certain that you're saved and ready to meet the Lord. Is the one in the final invitation. O Lamb of God, I come. Would you just lift that hand right now, Bev? Indicate that desire. O God, I pray in Jesus' name that by thy Holy Spirit that thou will draw men and women to Christ. Show them salvation is not found in a church or in a preacher or a creed, but in Christ alone. And give them grace tonight to call upon him. Lord, save me. In Jesus' name. Amen.